Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lent, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 7, 8 through 13 called The Staff and the Serpent. Exodus 7, would you stand? Verses 8 through 13. I want to welcome those of you who have joined us live stream as well. Exodus 7, verse 8. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Work a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff, throw it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did just as the Lord had commanded, verse 10. Aaron threw his staff down before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. For each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. And all God's people said, gulp. (laughs) Yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. You may be seated. Father, oh, what an amazing account this is. Uh, It's a familiar one, I think, to most of us, but it is a powerful one. And Lord, what it says really is that you are sovereign over all The kingdoms of this world, the heavens and the earth, you made them. You spoke them into existence. All other false gods will bow to you. You will swallow them up, literally. And we can think of this image of swallowing and think of the many things that you've swallowed up in our lives. And also, Father, thinking about the fact that one day death will be swallowed up in victory. Thank you for that. There's a picture of salvation, the spiritual battle, so many things that We experience in this life that we need to understand a little bit better, maybe see a different angle of. But ultimately, Lord, this is a book of triumph as you lead your people out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world, and we find ourselves often enslaved there to the taskmasters and the weight of our sin. The serpent is behind it all, really, when you think about it. He caused our first parents to fall to sin. And he still is looking to drink or gulp down people as he goes to and fro upon the earth. But we have armor. We can clothe ourselves with a helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. And salvation is something that you give. Righteousness is something I get from Christ. Truth and peace. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Thank you, Father, for the shield of faith. We want to raise that up as we... Look at some stuff that could be maybe a little bit frightening to to some, but we pray that you would clothe us with hope, knowing that the victory is yours and that light has pierced every darkness in our lives. And for those who don't know you yet or may be prodigals, I pray that you would let them be good soil for the seed of your word and let it bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name and for your glory and all God's people said, Amen. amen. One thing that you want to do in the book of Exodus, I think, is look for themes of salvation, because it is a book of salvation, and even though it's an Old Testament book, there are still those great themes of salvation. 
This is one of the great confrontations of history. It symbolizes in typology a struggle that has continued throughout the ages. You can write down Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, a spiritual struggle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood ultimately, but against principalities and powers. There is a spiritual battle, whether or not you are new to that concept or you've experienced it. Sometimes, you know, you can go through a week and maybe not even think much about that reality. And then there are other times, doesn't it seem like it gets more magnified? Maybe you even feel a weight over your life or maybe you uh, struggle with some darkness or some dark thoughts and you're like, where did that come from? What's going on there? And those are the things that drive me to my knees, knowing that I do have an enemy, but greater is he that lives in me than he that is what? In the world. And so the question, I think the application question right out of the gate as we deal with a contest between heaven and hell here is, who do you trust? Who is truly sovereign? The gods of Egypt, the Pharaoh, all that looks so powerful and menacing Or do you trust in the true and living God? Now, I think those of you who have studied the book of Exodus know that there are 10 plagues coming. 10 is the number of completion. But this particular uh, account that we're going to look at, some people count this as the 11th plague. Others say that this is a portent or a sign of what is coming. There's a thematic connection between the swallowing of the serpents of the Pharaoh and his magicians and the swallowing up of the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. And so God will ultimately swallow up. And everything that we are scared of, everything we deal with, ultimately death itself will be swallowed up in victory. Those are some of the major brushstrokes or the themes that you can be thinking about. This particular sign that's going to happen before the Pharaoh is indeed a slithery sign. <laughs> and some of you are thinking, snakes. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Indiana Jones, for those of you who are not familiar. I was playing golf last week, and uh, I often have to look for my golf ball because it doesn't always go uh, into green pastures. Sometimes it goes into not-so-still waters, but sometimes it's in some prickly bushes as well. So I went over this little bridge, and I was looking for my golf ball, and pray tell something was moving on the ground. And I heard, do, 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 no. But I'll tell you what, it made me jump. And usually if you're searching for your golf ball in any of these questionable areas, you bring a club just in case. I didn't have a golf club. And I was like, whoa. And this thing slithered away from me. And I was thinking, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? But there they are. They're weird creatures. Now, some of you like snakes. Anybody reptilian out there? Anybody, uh, nobody? Okay, there's one over here. Do you have a pet snake? You have a lizard. Okay, we'll pray for you. Um, But anyway. And so what we have here before us is a sign. In Hebrew, it's ot. And it points ultimately to God's sovereignty. As we think about the big picture of the 10 plagues that are coming... They are going to increase in intensity, and they're going to show more and more God's power over that which frightens us. This is more a demonstration than a plague, I would argue, 
But it is a sign of things to come. It is a sign of what's going to happen to the Pharaoh if he doesn't submit to God. He's going to be swallowed up. And I will tell you that the same God that saves is the same God that will ultimately swallow up. Because if you do not submit to him, he, he is the ultimate judge as well. And his judgment on Egypt is a picture of something that's coming in the future. God is going to pass over a second time. And those who have the blood applied to their life are going to be saved. And those who don't are not. They're going to face this God who is both loving and just. And so some people say that these 10 plagues are attributable to just regular phenomenon ecological things that happened regularly in Egypt. It's amazing to me how critics of the Bible will go out of their way to try to explain away the supernatural. Oh, every one of the plagues was just a ecological, natural event that could be explained by things that happened in nature. You could call it Egyptian climate change. That was intended for humor. Anyway. But... How do natural events know the limit of, for example, political ethnic boundaries? Things happen in Egypt that don't happen to the people of God in Goshen. How do you explain that? How do you explain that the plague stops at the border? How do you explain that when all the firstborn in Egypt die, the secondborn don't die? You see, what people do is they go out of their way to try to explain away the miracle portions in the Bible. And I will say to you that sometimes when we read these accounts, we wonder about what happened here. Staffs turning into snakes. I've never seen that before. But one thing that we need to realize is that whenever a miracle happens in the Bible, or I would say just as a sweeping idea, there's a truth behind the miracle. Jesus's miracles in the New Testament, especially the ones that are highlighted Uh, like in the Gospel of John, tell us that he has power over disease, demons, and death. And there's a sub-point to his miracles, a truth about how he opens blind eyes to spiritual truth, a truth about how he raises from the dead, a truth about how he opens up our ears to truth, or we're bent over by the, the burdens of life and he straightens us up or causes us to walk again. Everybody with me? These are spiritual points behind, you could say, physical uh, miracles. And this is no different. Each of these signs and then ultimately plagues that will come have a spiritual point behind them. And that's what we need to do when we read our Bibles. We need to look a little bit beneath the surface to see what God may be saying to us about our salvation, about things that he will ultimately deal with that scare us and frighten us. You may remember that When Moses was uh, encountering God at the burning bush, he was questioning his credentials. You know, how can I do this? And one of the things that God did is he said, what's that in your hand? And he said, it's a staff, throw it down. And it turned into a serpent and Moses ran from it, remember? And then God said, I want you to grab it again and it'll turn back into your staff. How many of you would say, no, thank you right there. Get somebody else. I don't want to grab a snake, right? But Moses did it, and it turned back into his staff. And then this sign, most likely, he showed to the Israelites to give them faith that God was with them. Throughout much of Egypt's history, the Pharaoh wore a cobra made of metal on the front of the headdress as a symbol of his sovereignty. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. So the point is, starting with Gurdjieff, they believe this is, this is the cosmos. Everything goes in here. If you can't put it in here, it doesn't belong. This tells you the meaning of the whole universe, not the Bible, not the Word of God, this stuff. Modern science has shown that worry and stress actually can shave away at the years right. of your life. You'll you'll add some things, but they won't be the kind of value addeds that you want. No. Even if we threw out having to land on when does life begin, when a majority of those abortions happen, right, is in between generally six to 12 weeks. It has become traditional among many pagans to mark the four quarters of the Samhain circle with jack-o'-lanterns. But it might also be in keeping with the season to light one white candle in a jack-o'-lantern placed in the window or on a front porch to beckon the spirits. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com or you can subscribe and follow Walk In Truth on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Encountering God at the burning bush, he was questioning his credentials, you know, how can I do this? And one of the things that God did is he said, what's that in your hand? And he said, it's a staff, throw it down, and it turned into a serpent, and Moses ran from it, remember? And then God said, I want you to grab it again and it'll turn back into your staff. How many of you would say, no, thank you right there. Get somebody else. I don't want to grab a snake, right? But Moses did it and it turned back into his staff. And then this sign, most likely he showed to the Israelites to give them faith that God was with them. Throughout much of Egypt's history, the Pharaoh wore a cobra made of metal on the front of the headdress as a symbol of his sovereignty. Even his scepter often was a stylized cobra. So what God is doing here is not some just, you know, hey, let's come up with something scary and cool. This was part of Egyptian life and Egyptian lore. This is what they believed in. This is what they held to. The Egyptians, according to Sir Wallace Budge, this is from McGee, believed in the existence of one great God, self-produced, self-existent, Almighty and eternal. So they kind of had the right idea there. Unfortunately, they felt that this being was too great and mighty to concern himself with this world. And so he didn't get involved in human destiny and the affairs of this world. He permitted the management of this world to fall in the hands of hordes of gods and goddesses and demons and good and bad spirits. And this is what Egypt was immersed in. Idolatry. Almost like that of Athens when Paul walks through Athens and he sees 3,000 altars, all to these false gods and goddesses. And literally the Bible says in Acts 17, 16 that Paul, when he saw the city swimming or under a forest of idols, he was annoyed. That's a loose translation, but it's one I like. He was annoyed. And it means he was jealous for God's glory. He saw all these lies, all this falseness. And then he came across an altar to an unknown God. 
And from that altar, he preached the gospel. What you worship in ignorance, I am going to proclaim to you. And he preached the God of the Bible. When a world falls into idolatry, Romans 1, 21 through 23, there's a slippery slope down. It says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image. This is Egypt. For an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds, listen, and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Romans 1, 21 through 23. That was Egypt. They turned the created thing and worshiped it as if it was the creator. They demoted God and elevated the things that creep around and even man. Ultimately, that's what man does. We deify man. And the Pharaoh was supposed to be some form of deity. And the Lord, verse 8, Exodus 7, spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you, and he's going to, He's going to ask essentially for your credentials. He's going to say, okay, if you want me to let the people go, then you work a miracle. Because by what authority would you say to me, I should let them go? Then you shall say to Aaron, God, anticipating what will take place, take your staff, literally hurl it to the ground before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. He's going to ask you. Now, we don't have any record when Moses and Aaron appear, appear in Pharaoh's court with his magicians and all his servants there, and he's likely seated on his throne. We have no record of any dialogue. It could well be that they just came in and threw the, the staff down, and that's when everything began to happen, be, began to take place. But it may be that they came in and said one more time, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, you're going to have to show me something. You're going to have to perform a miracle. Do you remember that the religious leaders said to Jesus, we want to see a sign from you, teacher. And Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the sea monster three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. You can write down Matthew 12, 38. And 39. In Luke 23, verse 8, Herod, the wicked leader, was very glad when he saw Jesus. Pilate tried to push him off to Herod, and he didn't want to deal with Jesus and having to judge him. He had a sense that Jesus was innocent. And Herod wanted to see Jesus for a long time because he had been hearing about him, and he was hoping to see a sign performed by Jesus. Oh, goody, Jesus is here! Go ahead, perform a sign for me. Go ahead. And do you know what happened? Jesus didn't say one word to him. Not one word. You won't even get to hear my voice. And people are fascinated with signs, right? Fascinated even with darkness and scary movies and the occult and ghost chasers and you name it. Oh, look at over there. There's, a, there's an outline of something, right? Bigfoot, <laughs> right? He's got to be there. He paused for a picture. And we get fascinated with all these kinds of things. But the Pharaoh is asking for their credentials. And if you read a little bit on this and you read up on what 
appeared before the Pharaoh, what the staff was actually turned into. It's an interesting word because it's not nakash, which is the typical Hebrew word for a snake. And nakash has the sound. So the Hebrew word is nakash. But it's tenin. Aaron's staff, Exodus 7, verses 9 and 10, became a tenin. What does that mean? In Genesis 1.21, it's a sea monster. In Ezekiel, it's a dragon. And uh, in another passage in Ezekiel, it's a great sea monster as well. This is Isaiah 27.1. It says, in that day, this is Isaiah's apocalypse, talking about the day of the Lord. The Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, the Nakash, with his fierce and great mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and God will slay the dragon, Tanin, who lives in the sea. In some of the ancient mythology that would permeated the world, people saw dragons and monsters as something that was real and had to be de- dealt with. And the serpent in the sea represented chaos and evil. And sometimes even the ancients saw the sea as something that was unpredictable and something that was dark and chaotic. And there's some things that have been pulled out of the ocean that scientists don't even know how to categorize them. Some of them look like dinosaurs. But dinosaurs can't be contemporary because scientists have decided that they can't be contemporary. They have to belong to an age of the past. So they say, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know. But there are some interesting creatures in the sea. And some things that you may not want to run into. Amen. (laughs) You've been listening to The Staff and the Serpent, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on whatever you heard in his teaching today. Or maybe you have a question about something else or need encouragement or prayer. Or maybe you just want to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we just came off of the holiday that the world celebrates called Halloween. Maybe you went to a harvest uh, festival. Maybe you handed out gospel tracts as you handed out some snicker bars or whatever you may have done. And, you know, the world can be often, you know, Halloween can be a fairly nebulous celebration for many, but there are others who are involved in the occult and see this as a special evening. And, and, I, and I bring this up because we have here the magic arts of the magicians in the court of Egypt, in the court of the Pharaoh. Did they really do a miracle? Does, uh, is there some occult power out there that is supernatural and uh, powerful? And I would say to you, yes. There's no doubt as you read your Bible that Jesus cast out demons. There was power in demonic forces. It's a limited power. Satan has a limited power. He's still on God's leash, so to speak. But there is a 
cultic, let's call it occultic, dark power out there. And the way that it manifests itself is oftentimes when people open the door to it. They begin messing with things that they have no business messing with, especially if you're a Christian. You should not be messing with those things, but nobody really should. But this does show us something about the the dark uh, power, if you will. And it shows us something else. Moses's staff or serpent swallowed up the pharaohs. And so we know God's power is greater than any power ever, anywhere. No doubt, no contest. Yet at the same time, there is a dark power out there. And we need to make sure we're aware of it. And we need to make sure that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We need to know that. We need to make sure that we are putting on the full armor of God every day. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You are listening to the book of Exodus. As we walk through the book, we're excited that you're with us. Hey, maybe you're new to the program and you're wondering, well, who is Walk in Truth and who's Pastor Michael and what is it all about? Well, you can visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com and find out a little bit more about who we are. Uh, we just have a deep desire to share the truth of God's word to see people get saved and people get discipled. And we'll get more into the staff and the serpent right here tomorrow on Walk in Truth. If you want to reach out to us, remember you can use the website, walkintruth.com. You can send us a message. Let us know how the program's been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 7, 8 through 13, called The Staff and the Serpent. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.